Welcome back to the Minds with Akeem podcast. In episode 9, I interviewed Austin Luce, who's a Des Moines attorney who grew up in small town Iowa and went to the University of Iowa before he finished at Drake Law School in 2020. Austin is also a fellow founding member of Prolific Development, a nonprofit organization that was also created in 2020. We unpacked a lot in this episode. Hope you guys be attentive. Back again, episode nine on the Minds with High King podcast. I'm here with my brother Austin Luce. Say what's up to the people, bro. What's up, people? It's good to be here. I appreciate you having oh, me. Oh, not a on. problem, bro. We finna unpack some good stuff, man. And hopefully you guys can take away some notes from him, man. Like this guy's a genius. I had to get him on set. Man, I don't know about all that. Uh, yeah, I, I done I hyped him up. You. I done hyped you up, so you already know what you got to do. <laughs> now I got big shoes to fill. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start it out. Always the icebreaker question, brother. Who is your top three people, dead or alive? Who would you have a, a conversation with, a cup of coffee with? Man. That's it's a hard one. That's a hard question. I love it, it is. I love to see people reaction. And, man, I mean, first and foremost, is it's probably a cliche answer at this point, but... I'm going to say Barack Obama. Uh, even I, mine. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just some, he's somebody who not only I look up to, but somebody who's just seen so much and has the, the perspective that he could give on yeah. topics would just be, I can't, I mean, I can't even imagine it. That's mm-hmm. why I want to have coffee with him, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, for sure. That's one. Um, hmm. The... The second one, I'm going to throw these two people as one person. Yeah. And it's something just like near and dear to my heart. Um, For sure. I lost my my mom when I was young and she Sorry drank. to hear that too. Yeah. And, and hey, I appreciate you. Um, but she drank coffee like there was no tomorrow. For real? And then, yeah. And then <laughs> and then my my grandmother I lost when I was 19. Is it your mom's mom? Uh, no, it's my dad's okay. mom actually. Um, who was like a second mom after uh-huh. my actual mom passed away. For sure. So um, I, I would say those two for sure because- they love coffee. And back when I was around them, I didn't get it. You know, yeah. like, I was like, I don't need that. Yeah, like, why are they drinking that? I wake up hyped, you know, yeah. <laughs> I turn on ball some, of energy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I was like, I turn on music and that's my coffee. But mm-hmm. not now drinking way too much coffee every day. <laughs> that's I, I try to limit it to one cup a day, bro. It's man, hard. I'm like one cup an hour in the morning <laughs> some days. Not not the whole day, but there's some mornings where I 24 need 24 cups. You know? <laughs> no, but for real. I, but I'd those two I'm people, so those two people are one. Yeah, let's say, that, let's say those two are one. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to say Theo Epstein, who, you know who that is? Theo Epstein, nah, give me some background. He is, uh, well, now the former director of baseball operations for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's who brought a World Series to the Cubs in 2016. Oh, how many years was that? 108? 108. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like my Cowboys on 108 years. <laughs> and the Cowboys are slipping. I was, Man, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I saw some joke the other day that said something like, they can't afford to pay Dak because they're paying for the... Uh, for the fruit budget for Mike Mc- You see him smashing those fruits? You read about that? Yeah, bro, don't get me started on Mike. <laughs> like I just told you, Luz, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, man. Okay, but- But no, nah, you good. But Theo so, Epstein? Yeah, yeah, Theo. He, he was the uh, manager then? So he was the like behind the scenes guy. Like okay. they built a team. The, the you know, GM? The, the basic. So yeah. he, they had another dude that had the title of GM, but he was- yeah. you know, He was He was, <laughs> he was just getting a paycheck. Yeah, and so, but Theo is also who- I mean, he got his claim to fame because he was who brought a World Series to the Red Sox after their 86-year wow. drought. 
So that's kind of been his MO is to just go. That's what he, he say he franchises. Yeah. yeah. And so I would love to get the Red Sox, that, by the way. <laughs> you got a big B on your chest today, though. I'm a Yankee. Ah, uh, that's for uh, breadwinner. Breadwinner. Hold <laughs> up, BWA. Let me get that out there. Now for the Sox. <laughs> No, I'd say those are my, I guess, four. But yeah, but no, no, no. I, I'll on the minds we'll allow you to add those two I people as one because that 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 holds weight to you, and I feel like that's substance. So we need that. So absolutely, I appreciate that. I love the fact that your answers like resonate with you and like your mom and your grandma, especially like because like I say this a lot, but people always try to reach for celebs and. You always gotta kind of have somebody on that eye to eye level with you, bro. Yeah. Who you can reach, who who build you up, who help build you and make make you become what you are today. So that's a dope answer. Let's get it going, then. Let's jump into the knowledge. But before we do that, brother, tell us about you. Tell us where you're from, and give us a little background on you. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so I'm from rural Iowa. I I grew up in a town called Moravia. It's about mm -hmm. 600 people. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a handful. <laughs> for real. Um, it's a small town, super tight knit, um, blue collar community. Uh -huh. Good good people all around. Um, and then I ended up going to a high school called Albia, which is about 10 miles away, mm -hmm. little give or take. Um, and yeah, I went to high school there. I'm the youngest of three boys. Mm. Um, and like I said, baby we, bro. Yeah, for real. And, and I, I'm youngest by seven and twelve years. So they they were grown by. Oh the time, yeah, they you know? was big boys. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they yeah. were they were out of the house in a hurry. You know, I was. So you was basically the only child for for those last eight years. Yeah, yeah. I was I was the only child basically. Mm -hmm. um, and I was so I hate to keep referring back to this and be no, sorry, go ahead. but but after I lost my mom, I moved in with my dad, um, and it was just me and him because you know he my my brothers have a different dad. Okay. Um, much yep. older. That kind of explains the, you know, the yeah, difference in the ages. Separation. Um, but yeah, so it was just me and him. And I mean, that's my best friend right there. You know, I, my dad that's is my dope. guy. And don't get me wrong. We don't always see eye to eye. We're very different people, but that's my guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At the end of the day, bro, y'all human. Exactly. And so, you know, he's a, he's a farmer through and through. I mean, he doesn't mm. farm per se anymore. Yeah. Um, but he runs an ag cooperative business and... Um, for anybody that's not familiar with what that is, it's you know, basically self fertilizer products. Yeah. Um, farm farm material. Yeah, yeah. You get the farmers what they need to mm -hmm. to run their to mm -hmm. run their businesses. Oh. Um, and so that's what he's done his whole life. And you know, I've been I never really got into the farming agricultural scene growing up just because we you? yeah it really wasn't and you and no it used to be kind of a tough pill for me to swallow back in the day yeah. to be like yeah this ain't me it's all my dad knows but at this point. You know, we're, like you said, we're human. We're different people, and mm -hmm. he and I's relationship has only grown now that I've grown into my own person. Um, yeah. So growing up, I was just a diehard sports fan and just like a book nerd. Honestly, mm. I mean, I was just like a chubby little kid growing up. Which <laughs> I like people. I get people. That's always people's reaction now because they're mm -hmm. like, you know, there's this this trim dude. Like he's not a chubby kid growing up. I was chubby, man. Like real yeah, chubby no, glasses. Oh yeah. <laughs> But sports were my life growing up, and like I said, just a book nerd. And then after I graduated from Albia, um, I went to the University of Iowa for undergrad, mm -hmm. um, studied journalism there, and I loved it to a point, um, but it, it just wasn't necessarily for me, and, yep. and that's where I just got took off down the law path eventually. Oh, um, so yeah, that, that, that actually leads us into the next. So you, 
how did you tell them when you went to school and graduated from, but what inspired you to attend law school and like what does like what what brought you to law? Yeah. Like in the in that transition period from journalism. Like what what was what was it that kind of you like woke up? It's always been I would say the law has always been something that I've been drawn to. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's always kind of fascinated me, whether it be like an unrealistic depiction of that law and order on TV back yeah. in the day, or like, you know, I mean, like we talked about Theo Epstein reading about him, you know, he went to law school to go do baseball ops, you know? Yeah. Like, so any type of stuff like that, I just kept seeing people have law degrees. And yeah. that kind of, you know, sparked my interest early, early on, even before I went to Iowa journalism wise, it was kind of always in the back of my head. Um, but then when I was, hmm, I was probably 15, I would say, um, my middle brother, um, he got in some trouble and he's just, he's kind of, he's righted his path. And I like, he's one of my biggest heroes because of how much he's dealt with and how much he's grown and persevered. Um, but he got, he got involved with some stuff and, and, um, and I just didn't feel like he was getting a fair shake with the legal system. Yeah. And I was I was young and I was naive to to most of what was going on. But even from the bits and pieces that I was picking up and seeing, it was making me realize how really unjust um, this system can be mm-hmm. um, on anybody, on yeah. especially certain people, but yeah. on really anybody. Um, and you know, just seeing him kind of go through the ringer and be institutionalized for far too long for you know, issues that weren't being fixed Dumb. by sitting in a cell. Yeah. Um, those, seeing those types of things are what inspired me. Um, and then as I got older, I just kept feeling more politically motivated, if you will. Like yeah. just, I kept seeing things that just would kind of baffle me, whether it was with the law or with politics or just, <laughs> just stuff that I'd be like, these people are making You're not by rules. yourself on that one, bro. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like every day, I mean, at this point, I feel almost desensitized. But on the other hand, I, my eyes are opened every day. I'm like, this man makes laws or like, right. you know, she, like I'm thinking about that potential senator um, from Georgia who's an insider trader. Like she got word of the coronavirus and instead of doing something in her political role, yeah, she went and made sure all of her stocks got traded in the right direction because <laughs> she knew that these companies with the make medical supplies are going to blow up. Like, so I, I just like. Things like that, all of these unjust issues really are what inspired yeah. me. And I get that that's a big umbrella that I yeah. just cast, but no, for real. if I can make any sort of impact in any direction, I'll feel like I've done that's what I've dope. set out to do, you know? And I think and I think we need more people to get into law for the reasons that you got into it. Like you see a problem with the law system. And like you said, certain people, like especially minority and black men yeah, and, and just the unjust, People need to get into law more to change these issues. I think we try to do a lot of changing from the outside, but you get inside, you can you can change it. You um heard of this book called the uh, the spook that sat by the door. I have not. No. Um, Nip referred it in the interview I was watching, mm-hmm. and um he was basically saying like it's like uh, it was a black guy from Chicago who was troubled. He was a gangster as a, as an adolescent, and then like he cleaned himself up obviously, and he got into the CIA. Wow. But his only mission was to get into the CIA to infiltrate them. But I actually, I actually requested the book for Christmas, so I haven't read it. So I'm yeah. just speaking from somebody else. Let me but, get a copy. With yeah, it. for sure. That. But um, they say he infiltrated the CIA to, and he was working for him to, to just get the gist of what they was yeah. doing. And I think he, I think he did something else. But uh, that that'll be coming next. But like 
that was kind of his intentions too to like try to like figure out the unjust and the things that's going on. But dope. that's dope that you enter that for that, bro. Like we need more people to do that, like I, for real. I appreciate that, and it's the sentiment that you just brought up about you know people diving head first into the system to try to change it is mm -hmm. something a good friend of mine actually said to me a couple of years ago, a, a guy I lived with for a couple of years. Um, I was just complaining, you know, I yeah. was just like whining basically about this crap I was seeing. No disrespect. That's a lot of, a lot of people do that. Yeah, true. And, and I was, I was just complaining, you know, and I was mm -hmm. saying how he was saying like, why don't you, and this is my first year of law school when yeah. he was saying this to me, he says, well, why don't you, you know, I hear you. Why don't you like, dive into those problems at first do something about it and I, and I just kind of like at first I got not defensive but I wasn't I wasn't that responsive responsive to it, you know? to it yeah I was, I was like hmm I was like yeah I really just don't like I don't want to be burdened with all those more problems you know I was already getting into law for what I saw as yep. a good mission and I was like I don't want to be burdened with these problems but then that that statement he said to me is sat I mean it's, I'm still talking about it three years yeah later, no you know? it stuck it's, with you it sat with me and and he was right it's you know like what Less talk, more action is kind of mm -hmm. what I try to be about, at least. You and know? now you got that opportunity, bro. Yeah. And I know for a fact that you're gonna succeed in that. I appreciate um, you. Next is uh, let's let's talk about like one of your biggest. We want to know what stuck with you. One of your biggest takeaway from law schools as a as an undergrad in that in that program. Like what from that sticks with you besides that story you just told? Like, yeah. Um, from from Drake Law School. This is shout out Drake. Yeah, yeah, great school. Honestly, um, I was after I left Iowa, I was kind of hesitant on what I wanted to do school wise, and yep. I applied to law school late in the game. Um, I applied to law school really late in the game. I was gonna take a year off, go yeah. work, make some money, and then applied and, and eventually got in at Drake and got a good scholarship and you know went for it. And I'm yeah. I'm happy with the decision I made, but. Um, Thinking about my first year at Drake, somebody said to me that law school, especially that first year, is like drinking water from a fire hose. Mm. And I really like that analogy because mm. it's just like an overload of information being thrown at you. You know, like think about when you look at like your leasing contract and it's 10 pages long with print this big and you're just like. I ain't reading all that. Right, right. Exactly. And so like that's what I would say. That just that analogy that and that kind of can be applied widely to the law in general mm -hmm. is that it's you know trying to absorb it can be like drinking water from a fire hose, just getting blasted with info, you know? Yeah. And that's something that resonated with me. I guess that's not really like a lesson, but it's it's helped me to be patient with my own brain. Yeah. And not not get upset with myself when things aren't coming easily. Nah, that's important. Um, and and it's tough for me because you know, growing up, I never struggled with school. You know, yeah. school was always like clicking for me and I just felt like I could do you it. You said at first you was a nerd. Right, e exactly. And like th that goes back to my mom making me practice spelling words the night before I even take the pretest. You yeah. know, like, uh -huh. like that goes back to her drilling discipline into me at eight years old. Um, but I've just always thought that school was not easy, but it just came naturally. Yeah. If, I, if I put in a little work, it's going to You applied come. yourself, you was going to get what you needed. You was going to get that A. Totally. And, and now with law school, it was like, I can apply myself as hard as I was prior and I'm going to get C's. Yeah. And so it's like I had to reach this new gear to kick in. And I still, don't get me wrong, I didn't like fly out of Drake with all A's. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I struggled. I, it, was, it was a new experience. It's and a new challenge for me. Uh, totally. And so 
I think that's one of the lessons that I would say. So it so like basically what you're saying is like a big lesson is to help you like prioritize things and like take in a lot of information. Yeah. And try to retain a lot of information to get it back out. That's a good lesson because like and before before you before you spill, don't lose yeah, your yeah. thought. Um you know how much information we take in daily from social media, bro? It's gotta be a disgusting amount. Right? Come on, bro. So <laughs> and, and, and like I don't even wanna I'm not gonna shoot out the number actually, because it's scary. But um that's kind of like today's world. It's an overload of information, especially Fast. false information. Yeah, for real. So that's a good lesson that that I think that's a great lesson you took from law school. When, but what you was about to say, don't lose your thought. Well, I was just gonna say, like, to tabletop off of that lesson, it was more so even like you you said, if I apply myself, I can do it. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest lesson for me is it made like achieving law school and not only studying 50 hours a week during Christmas break, my senior year of undergrad to pass the LSAT, to be even allowed to go to law school or not pass the LSAT, but get a good grade to be yeah. accepted. <laughs> um, to, to be able to, for me to work that hard and achieve those things, it, it helped me, I mean, it helped me realize that really though, if I apply myself, I can do anything. I mean, it had me, had me regretting a lot of decisions yeah. I made at a young age because, you know, I wasn't present. I might've, I might've showed up, but I wasn't present. Mentally, I wasn't, wasn't yeah, yeah, I wasn't, there's a, like somebody, well, somebody, some people say 50% of the work is just showing up and that may be true. But that other 50% is a lot harder it's important to do. Too. You know, it's yeah, just as important. Totally, totally. Like you got to show up, but then to be present on top of showing up is just, there's such a huge difference in those two things. Mm -hmm. and, and that was a, it wasn't necessarily a difficult pill for me to swallow because it's something I was expecting. Mm -hmm. But being faced with those daily struggles of being like, can I do this? Yeah. Like, am, I, am I really capable of this? And studying for the bar this past summer was the same thing. I mean, I studied 50 hours a week. And that's like some, you say that to some people and they're like, that doesn't, no, you didn't. That doesn't make sense. And I'm like, I really did. Hmm. And it sucked. <laughs> yeah. Like it, you lose so much time. You feel yeah. like you disconnected from the world. And that's an ugly feeling for us because totally. of social media. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I hate, I hate to keep bringing it back. But nah, I feel reality. like, now nah, I feel like I got to be an activist for the, for the uh, ugly, ugliness that social media is doing. So I'm trying to do my role in that. But no, nah, 50 hours a week, bro, to go back to that. Like, when you said that, my mind went, ain't no way I could do it. <laughs> like, bruh. But you could. No, nah, I know, I know you could. It's just about applying yourself. Because, yeah. like, when I'm when I'm working on things for my podcast and my business, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm so drained. Like, yeah. let me check my phone. And, <laughs> and, I, and I, I can imagine you had to deal with that. Like, I know some students I went to school with who was really, really good at school. They would like literally like delete every social media app off their phone. I know you that's did me. that. I that's know me. you did that. Delete I would, I would everything. Shut this mug off and I would throw it like under a pillow on my bed. Yeah, try to lose it. Yeah, from try like 7 a.m. to noon, I would be like, I'm not touching that. Yeah. Thing. And then I get a little hour break, you know, maybe throw on some FIFA while I'm studying. See, see you better than most because I, those same people who were really good at school, I see them on Twitter on a safari. <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, that I ain't. Yeah, I've yeah. They like it. It helps. Like it limits me. I'm it like does. it probably do. No, it really do. It does. Yeah, yeah. It's. But, um, go ahead. You just gonna say something? No, it's just a. It's just funny you say that because that's what I. That's exactly what I did. I deleted all the apps. I still. You on the Safari though? 
Dug it. <laughs> I still have not re-downloaded Twitter or Facebook. So I'll hold For real? Strong. Right but now? I'm on Safari. So. But I love I love Twitter, bro. Me I'm too. addicted to Twitter. I have <laughs> to admit that. And I got to be better. <laughs> it really is my news source, though, at this point. Like, I don't... And it's not saying, like, I follow all these funny accounts that I, you know, like you said, false yeah. information. But, like, I legitimately follow, you know, a diversified yeah. news source. And I don't watch the nightly news anymore. Yeah. I'm not. Like, no, no, no. I'm the nightly like news is screwed. Both, both stations. Yeah. The nightly news is like, it's, man, man, you can get false, <laughs> man. Look, I don't even want to open it up for That's you Pandora's news people box. over. But um, I suggest you uh, tap in. Um, I just made a purchase, bro. Uh, it's called uh, Apple News Plus. Okay. It's $10 a month. And Apple, see, Apple has been doing so much in the technology world, bro, that people don't even know to try to like better I technology. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, and Apple, Apple has been doing so much. And like, I think you can get it on any phone, but I have an iPhone, so I'm just speaking. But Apple Plus, bro, the stories on there, I, I get up every day and I read it. Like That's every dope. morning I read it. Like, it's a newspaper. Yeah, like for real. Like, and I try to stay alert in what's going on, but yeah. Apple Plus News is the spot, bro. And like, That's awesome. they make you pay for it, like 10 a month, but. For me to be able to know what's going on in this world and around me, I gotta be able to, I gotta be able to take in that information. Absolutely, that's the suggestion for you, though. Yeah, staying up on current events in any way that's like not polarized in one direction, mm -hmm. it's just something I think. And that's exactly most what it is. That's exactly what it is. But let's dive into the law, bro. Like the reason, like this one, of, this is a huge reason I wanted you on here. Open up about some law. So let's talk about. Um, just can you open up about your career as a public defender and then like what what that position is right now for your career? Like how is that molding you in your career? So it's interesting, you know, that, you know, when you and I talked about this earlier, mm -hmm. um, there's kind of a misconception about the term public defender in, open in, that up. in, in many senses. Um, you know, like I am a public defender in some regards, but I'm also... I work for a law firm and I can be retained privately. Okay. So, so when you, let's say you're arrested for a crime, you say you, you, you tell whoever, you know, after your initial appearance, um, you're arrested for a crime, you get out on bond if you can, you know, yeah. if you have the means mm -hmm. to get out on bond, let's say for this sake of this scenario, you, you do, you do. Mm -hmm. Um, and you, but you get assigned a public defender, um, Cause you signed some form, like you weren't, like you said, you didn't read the form. You just signed it. We're like, I need Boom. one. So then you get sent to, there's what lawyers do. And I would say just about any criminal defense attorney in this, you know, in, in anywhere who's looking for experience or looking for a way to earn extra money, anything like that, you know, they, they might charge 250 bucks an hour for their services, but they put their name on this list. It's called the public appointment list. Okay. And, and you so, state appointed basically. Yes, sir. Okay. And so then yeah, the I'll state you takes on. your name off the list and they put you on cases. Okay. And then the state pays you, I'm forgetting what the amount is, but it's like, it's a lot less than what an hourly rate would be for a private retainer. Okay. Bet. But the state still pays you hourly. And so what you see is you see people putting their name on like every county, every docket, and that's how public defenders get overworked. Okay. But then there also are people who work in the public defender's office who nothing, they do nothing but public defender cases. Yeah, okay. Um, but in a sense, I am a public defender, Yeah. but at the same time, you know, you could retain me privately to yeah. do other and stuff And that's too. just as a straight up lawyer. Yep, <laughs> yep. And it's, you heard it. And it's <laughs> you heard it, straight up lawyer. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting because um, 
you know, like for example, you know, I'm fresh in my legal career. You, yep. you know that. I mean, I've been working for four months now. Yes, sir. Not, probably not even. And um, my first week on the job, I had this this guy contact me about you know representing uh, his granddaughter, and he was like, I don't want a public defender. Like, I just don't want one. Yada yada. So I look at the public defender that's on his case, and it's a guy with 20 years of experience. Yeah. This guy knows. This guy knows his stuff. He's been through the ringer. This is this yeah. is his thing. Um, and he fired him, who was to free, you. free of charge to hire me. And that just kind of like, which is good. Like I have a mentor, you know, who's my boss. And I, like, I feel very confident in my abilities to help him out yeah. and help his granddaughter out. But it just kind of gave me perspective. Like, man, people really don't understand what a public defender is mm -hmm. because, you know, he, he fired an attorney with 20 years of experience who was hired to work for free. Yeah. And granted. But, but, but let me cut you off. Yeah. Will. Because public defenders are getting paid lower rates by the state, where the public defender not work as hard. That's where I was going to go next. Okay, because you never take us there. You never know. You know, depends it, on the person. Depends on the person. Depends on the complexities of the case. Mm. Depends. I mean, there's just so many factors that could affect that. Mm. But yeah, that's that's a really great point because okay. you know if I'm getting paid 200 bucks an hour on something, gonna work harder. Yeah, I'm gonna work my ass off. You know. Yeah. But at the same time, like. I'm coming into this like I'm gonna work just as hard on every single thing I have. Yeah, you fresh, right. you fresh legs. I'm not jaded for yet. For sure. You know, that this man yeah. with 20 years. I hope you stay that way. <laughs> that's, that's the goal, you know. Yeah. That's, for sure. that's the goal. Um, and actually, I just got my first public appointment. Um, yeah, you and, was excited. You text me about it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird though because it's just crazy how fast it all came together. Like, you know, this guy was picked up. Uh, he had a warrant out. He's in jail. And his hearings in a week, and they're like, "Hey, he needs an attorney." And I'm like, "I mean, yeah, I would love to. I would love to work on this." <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but but it's just so wild to me that that's the process. You know? Man, I wish I could talk about the case, but yeah, I it's mean, close. no, we can't. Some, nope. Someday we'll dive into some yeah. stuff that's wrapped up. Because yeah, yeah, because it's an open case, so we're yeah. gonna unpack it. <laughs> um, something I was just gonna say. About um, I was the the second part of the question was how's disposition. Like important for your career right now okay. as your at your young age at your young part in your career. So, I'm I feel really thankful to be in the position I'm in, um, and that's for a variety of reasons. I mean, no. one, COVID has thrown a wrench, as we all know, into everything. I mean, Everybody, everything. Um, There's less crime. Is there though? Well, less, less prosecuted. Crime. Well, prosecuted and less. <laughs> um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like physical crime, there's a lot of uh, some scheming, some scamming, man. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, we're gonna leave it at that. <laughs> no, I, I, I see what you're saying for yeah. sure. Um, but the way the way it's wrenched my world was it just made you know, it canceled the whole last half of my second semester of school, mm -hmm. which I, I mean, I didn't cancel, I still had to take finals, it was just all online. Yeah, yeah. And then studying for the bar, you know, like I couldn't go to the library and study. The libraries were all closed. I sat on my desk, which I shouldn't complain, but I just didn't know what the job hunt was going to be like. And, yeah, and I was searching and, and I was being picky. I just was, but I was really looking for an opportunity, you know? Yeah. But I feel really thankful because I got an opportunity with a law firm that is like ideal for what I see myself doing long-term. Mm -hmm. um, What's your law firm, bro? It's called Balduki Law Office. Um, we're over on the east side, across from the Hilltop Restaurant on yes, Hubble Ave. 
Yep. Um, if you ever get in some trouble, you know where to find you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or if you need a divorce or, you know, any type All of- that. <laughs> All that. We'll get to that at the end, brother. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but so my boss has been doing it for 25-ish years mm -hmm. and he runs his own firm and and he, like I said, he, he does what he wants to do and he's yeah. his own boss and- Dope. I mean, I mean, he, he's doing what 25 years from now, I hope I have an opportunity to Dope. do with some young lawyer, you know, Good. bring them on and mentor them. Good. It's, I, I just feel really thankful to, because I have, I have good friends, you know, looking for jobs right mm -hmm. now, and and they're not even trying to be picky. They're just trying to find something trying where they can make some money pandemic. and contribute. Yeah. And, and, you know, on the flip side of that, people are like, oh, he's a lawyer. He'll be able to find a job. He's got a law degree. He passed the bar. It's just not that simple sometimes. Mm -mm. It's just not. I got a marketing marketing degree, bro, and like I'm struggling to find a job. And yeah. like you think people like right now, marketing is super important because everybody at the crib supposed to be at least. It's hard, it's bro. Supposed <laughs> to be. <laughs> yeah, people no, are but, thugging. But I, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, just the the the, the job field, like in a wide range of, of professions, is just hurting right now. It's tough, bro. It's tough, and and people I get it. We're in the pandemic. But um, this this next question, bro, I want y'all to pay attention. Like, <laughs> pay attention because he finna give us some stuff that, especially us black brothers, that we need. So we gonna unpack how to react, how to respond when you put over by offices. So yeah. somebody who studied law, like gave 50 hours a week to law. So you pay attention. <laughs> Um, so yeah, brother, how how are we supposed to react? Because we aren't taught these things. I mean, yeah. you talked about that. And we had a vendetta against that. Yep. So how are we supposed to react when we're pulled over and like what 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 are the things we're supposed to do to not get shot? I mean, I real would, talk. It's first and foremost, I just want to say how like pathetic it is of our society that that is even overstood. A worry, that that's even a that's even a worry. Overstood. It's just man, it's just it's just a bummer. But I mean to. Because it is reality and you have to live and adjust. Um, I would say, obviously, you know, be respectful as possible. Yeah. Um, but the first, uh, some people, and I, I tend, I, I used to tend to stray away from this advice, but I've kind of changed. Um, you know, some people don't want to roll their window all the way down yeah. and pulled over. Crack it. That's like the first red flag to a cop, it seems. You know, they're just immediately suspicious and pissed off if you won't give them the time of day. If you so roll your window all the way down. And I, maybe not even all the way down, but just like more than a crack. Yeah. You know, more, more than give them a little space. And Some people might be just letting out the hot box. For no, sure. Well, no, but for real. I, and yeah. that's, that's where I'm going to go next is, um, mm -hmm. but, I, but I'd say just interacting with law enforcement, um, I mean, you just you just need to give them respect, and I, whether or not they deserve it is irrelevant. Like yeah. you said, the point is you want to continue to go about your life the way you are. Yeah. So for the time being, swallow the pride and and do what you're asked to an extent. But I mean, I think the keys are knowing your rights in that situation. Yeah. Um, Unpack those. And so, first, you always want to ask what you're being pulled over for mm -hmm. if it's not addressed. Like they need to give you an explanation, you know, whether it's tinted window, like in Iowa, you can't have really tinted windows like at all. You can do a point, yep. but that gets people pulled over all the time and mm -hmm. they don't understand that. But ask why you're being pulled over. Um, if it's for a traffic violation, if they give you any sort of explanation as a traffic violation, exactly. that, that probably is real enough that it gives them the right to have you pulled over. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, it sucks. And I, I think a lot of them are crap. I mean, I've been in a situation 
where I know I didn't do it, what happened. I yeah. know for a fact I got accused of rolling through a stop sign and I've been sitting there for 10 seconds trying to decide which way I was going to go. Yeah. I know I wasn't rolling mm -hmm. through that thing. But you got to accept the fact that they sadly are in control right then. Mm -hmm. And I think accepting that fact and taking a step back and swallowing that pride and just being able to, to know that if you stay calm and do what's asked of you, hopefully it'll all just be over in five minutes. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, if you're holding, if you got something on you, you ain't going to be calm. You're just naturally going to be nervous, you know? Antsy. And yeah, and that's just, I, I'm antsy when I get pulled over, nothing on me, you know? Bro, I mean, that's I'm just- I'm antsy I can every only, time I see him. I can only imagine like how a black person feels bro, when I every myself am man, antsy. Man, Luz, like, let me, let me just say this real quick, bro. I'm a law-abiding citizen yeah. to the most point. Everybody do stuff wrong. I'm a speeder at times. <laughs> but every time I see him, bro, like, and I, I want to, I want to make sure this message is clear, bro. And it's no disrespect to an officer because there are good cops. Yeah. Every time I see him, I don't feel protected, bro. I feel. Yeah. Let me get right. Make sure I'm doing me. Two hands on the wheel. Yep. That's my reaction when I see him and talking to my brothers who are white and like, oh yeah, that's not my reaction when I see cops. And, and see, I would like, I, I am that way, and maybe that's because yeah. I've been a idiot before mm -hmm. and you know been acting a fool and yep. doing what I shouldn't have been doing so it gets me on edge but if I'm on edge like I said I can only imagine how y'all feel yeah bro. I can't even on, fathom on 10 like even if I'm in the passenger seat bro I'm up 12 but see <laughs> like man that, that type of reaction is what I would say is actually good yeah in a situation where you pulled over though yeah as long as you're being respectful I mean for the first time in my life, I was in a vehicle this summer that got racially profiled and pulled over. Yeah. And um, a friend of mine, I'm not sure if you met him, a, a guy I went to school with, um, his name's Hunter. Was he at the cleanup? Um, no, nah, he wasn't. Okay, um, you yeah, haven't met him then. But so Hunter went to law school with me at Drake. Um, oh, he finished it? Great, yeah, yeah, great dude. He's working shout for the Hunter. state, actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> shout out Hunter. Um, he, he's a black man like yourself. Mm -hmm. And we're dry. It's funny, we're driving to Colorado, so we ain't even got to Colorado yet to be all packed down, you know? Yeah. But you know, if you know anything about Nebraska cops, you know that they're on 10 trying to bust pot, any sort of For pot real? bust. Oh, 24 seven, like that's all they worry about. They're trying, wow. to, they're trying to arrest people with weed crossing their state lines. Yep. They even have booby trap signs they'll put up on the interstate to say drug dog search ahead. It's a fake sign. Yeah. It's trying to get you to take an exit and then get pulled over when you now, take the exit. Now you see, that's what I don't like. That's what happened to me. Like, that's what I don't like, bro. It's like, just because they know they're in between Denver and other yeah. states. I think that's picking, bro. I agree. Like, it's booby trapping. It's 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 crazy. So different states differ on their laws. I don't like in that, regards bro. To those types of things. Like, but so, go let me, ahead. Let me just touch back on your yeah. story with Hunter. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're driving. We're just outside of Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, we got a long ways to go. We're headed to. Trinidad, Colorado, like way in the southern yeah. half. We're gonna go hiking and like stay at this Airbnb. We just took the bar exam. Yeah. yeah so we're like y'all yeah, coming decompress. Yeah, we're trying yeah. to chill out. That we just took it the day before. Like we're we're ready to have a vacation, man. And <clears throat> and so we're headed west. And two lawyers, three. <laughs> Three. So we got me and Billy, who you did meet at the event, the yep. redheaded dude. Yeah, so he's it, dope. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Uh, no, shout out Billy. Great he's dude. dope. Shout out Billy. So <laughs> us three are riding. I'm in the back seat, and I'm just chilling. Like I, am I think I'm trying to nap at this point, actually. Um, 
and traffic's pretty heavy, like outside of Lincoln. It's at least four lane. It might have been six lane even, you know, but traffic's mm. pretty heavy. And, I think it's four lane. And it, but it, I think we might have still been in the city, so it okay. might have been okay. six Bet. even. Gotcha. And so I just know his traffic was kind of heavy. And Hunter's like, wow, that cop just pulled out behind us. And I'm like, oh, like, oh, really? Like, he's behind us? And we're just like, okay. And then all of a sudden he flicks his lights on. I'm like, how fast were you going? He's like 63, like in a 65 or in a 60 or something. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he pulls us over, walks up to the car. Like I said, Hunter, black guy driving. Mm -hmm. And he pulls us over and oh, Billy does the thing that I just said not to. Billy cracks the window this far, comes to the passenger side. Billy cracks the What's window. What's up? <laughs> Billy cracks the window this far and is like, I'm gonna put my mask on. Like, hey, I'm gonna put my mask on. You know, this is COVID time still. It was COVID time still? Yeah, yeah, this okay. was in August. Well, not Delta, and, but, yeah, um, got you. But so, <laughs> yeah, but not, so. Uh, we don't want, we want you to go away, COVID. <laughs> stay out. Um, but so the cops like, like what? He's like getting all antsy, like yeah. you know, jumping around. And Billy's like, I'm gonna put my mask on. You know, we're like, chill out. And this cop, um, well, he stays stays calm for the most part, but he's being a little weird. Um, and then he's like, you know, where y'all headed? Like, what's going on? And you know, immediately we're trying to get these words out that we're lawyers, like mm -hmm. ASAP. You know, just just to like let him know, like we're not pulling Girl. any fast ones. You know. Yeah. And so we're like, we just took the bar exam, and his tone changed like this. Boom. You wouldn't believe it. Have you, and it's because y'all, because he, because he look at y'all as one of him. He, he, and he, which sucks. I mean, all that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but what's crazy is he saw a rental car. Well, he, he didn't know it was a rental. He saw a car with Georgia plates, Fulton yep. County, Atlanta. He saw a black man in a car with Georgia plates and he pulled that sucker. He off. like, yeah, they come and pick up and go back to Atlanta. Yep. He pulled us right over. And then not only did his mood switch immediately once we said we were lawyers, mm -hmm. he started like trying to like, give us recommendations on where to go get beer and find girls in Colorado. I just couldn't believe it, man. And then he said the reason he pulled us over eventually when he got there was uh, that we were following too close to another vehicle. And it's like, yo, it's wall-to-wall -wall traffic. Like, what, what are you talking bro, about? Bro, you see, like, that firsthand experience you just shared, bro, and, like, and what stick with me is, and I complain to my fiance about this a lot, bro, it's the stories of cops coming out saying, I quit the department because this is what we're trying to do. If we see a black man in this neighborhood, this is what we're trying. We're trying to uh, be aggressive with him so he get aggressive. Yep. These are from firsthand stories from cops, bro. Like, how is it not like clicking, bro, yeah. to like people that this is real? Totally. Some people think it's a myth. Oh, I know. Some people I think know. it's just black people. All black people are bad, bro. This, that, and the third. I know it's it's despicable, and it brings me like we were kind of segueing in that direction Sorry anyway. To get mad, y'all. Nah, go bro, ahead. But your story just your story just made me mad, bro. Yeah. Like Hunter, I, Hunter was so rattled he couldn't even keep driving. Yeah, bro. And like fair, like I. Bro, like that's why, like you know, what we call driving in the dark. Like What's when that? I when I leave here and go home, we call it doing bad. Black at the dark. Yeah, like it's real, bro. Like yeah, it's I mean, real. Dri like, driving while black is a real. That's a exactly doing. Um, I call one of the homies. I'm like, if you're doing bad right now, that means you black out the dark, bro. Yeah. you better get in the house. Like for real, it's not safe. Especially and, since 45 lost, but we ain't gonna get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that out there. 
Oh, that's that gets an amen out of my mouth. Amen. <laughs> so, um, are there any other like law situations that you can help the people with, bro? Because like this this show is for the people. Like, yeah. Any quick thing you can throw out there? Uh, well, you got you got me thinking now. I mean, we're talking Colorado. You got me thinking about just weed in general. Uh, mm-hmm. So just to like tabletop off the ACLU. Um, do you know what the ACLU is? No, I don't. It's an American Civil Liberties Union. Um, okay. Really cool national organization that has satellite offices like all over in the States. Um, yeah. And they just do really cool work, like working um, for progressive policies, like whether it's legalizing marijuana or proving that there are racial biases in, yeah. in cops, anything, anything that's like a real progressive policy, they're diehards devout about yeah. it. And so they've done, you know, hella research on just marijuana arrests in general. Yeah. And one of the things that sticks out to me based on research I've done for papers is that in Iowa alone, black people are 7.3 times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than white people. Hold up. Hold up. Wait. I want to, I'm not going to say the, I'm not going to say the artist, I mean, the person name, um, because I don't know the officer name. Yeah. But he was... His percentage of pulling over black people in this, in, in Des Moines were like um, he had an eighty percent like black people yeah. rate, bro. You don't yeah. understand when I first got to the state, it was eighty, think 88 percent white. Yeah, how is that possible? Exactly, and how is that possible? People will argue with you and say, "Well, the black people are the ones doing things wrong." Well, da, 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 da. Think about what y'all are saying when you say that. Eighty-five percent of the state is white, and if black and white people commit crimes and smoke pot at about the same rates, that means way more Definitely. white people are doing it. So like I, I, I sometimes I have to show you this paper I wrote and the ACLU was a, huge, was a huge, was a huge, was a huge help for the paper and huge resource. But you got me thinking about tips for, for driving and whatnot. I would say if you're going to smoke pot, you know, just do your best not to carry it on you mm-hmm. while in the whip because any bit of smell is probable cause for a cop to claim that they can search you. Mm-hmm. And it's your word against theirs. And if they find it, then your word looks like shit in court. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like, and, and it's just a really tough, it's tough because people aren't going to stop smoking pot. And how do you get from point A to point B with it? I mean, you just got to get rid of the smell because the smell gives, an, it gives the cop the ability to basically do whatever they want with you. So, so um, with that, like, and the probable cause, and mm-hmm. that gives them justification. So, yep. um, so like, with, with, like, weed in general, bro, like, and, and I want you as a, as a lawyer to, to unpack this, and that's a tough one. How is it possible that white males are able to profit off weed, <laughs> but black men are able to sit in a cell? Because we is is that America in a nutshell on a on a micro level? I think it is. You I really I mean? think it is, bro. And like and like that 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 question isn't for you to unpack because that's not fair yeah. for you. But it's just like, bro. Like we got white males from Denver, Cali, profiting, yeah. bro. Raking it in. Millionaires, bro. Off yeah. weed. Meanwhile, one in every 12 black people in Iowa are like in prison or on probation. For weed. Well, not necessarily just for weed that you way. No, but, but yeah, but, but like I'm saying, yeah, like a lot of them are for 
for marijuana. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Bro. It is. And, and our, our marijuana laws in this state are archaic. They are. <laughs> we have. Hold arguably, on, hold on. Do you know a lot of ballots put, should we legalize marijuana yeah, on it, but, but not we, Iowa? We can't even get it. So, like, to get it on the ballot, it's got to, excuse me, it's got to pass through some, like, legislative, you know, yeah. um, hoops, and we can't even get close. And I don't mean to diss all Republicans in this statement, but Republicans are not the pro-weed party by yeah. any way, shape, or form. And our state just only got more Republican at the state level yeah. for the state legislature. So, like, I truthfully, from the bottom of my heart, think marijuana will be legal federally before it's legal in this state. Yeah. And I really like, believe that. And, like... I thought we were the like United States, bro. Like somebody, and, and, and I'm, I'm going on Twitter. Please judge me for this. But <laughs> somebody tweeted, um, "How we legal in Denver, Cali, and um, I think Oregon at the time." Yeah. But not everywhere else. I thought we was united. <laughs> like that was funny as hell to me, bro. Yeah. Like I thought that was hilarious. But um, well, my my boss had an interesting comment on something like that. He talks about how damaging it is for states to undermine, you know, the United States authority by legalizing it themselves. And he's like, it's damaging because then you put pressure on other states who may not be ready. And like, imagine if we could just cohesively make decisions like that. Yeah. But it's kind of the divided nothing states done cohesively. at this point. Yeah. No, nothing's nothing. done cohesively. Nothing. Not here. But um, I'm sorry to end this podcast, you guys, um, you anti-marijuana people with... <laughs> With uh, with no uh, with with just marijuana topics, but um, that's that's really all we had to unpack today. Um, I hope you guys can take away some stuff from uh Austin. Um, I'll have all this information in the at the end of the uh description below. But um, Luce, you got anything else for the people you wanna wanna get out, brother? Um, I mean, I just want to say how thankful I am to you know even be on here with you. Um, for sure, brother. And it it excites me to to be an organization that allowed me to get to know you, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, we're both founding members of Prolific Development. For sure. And as an organization that I hold near and dear to my heart, that's, you know, came out of nowhere for me in the last six months. And now it's become a, a focal point in my life. So, yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to PD, I guess. Yeah. And, um, Not police department, nah. Prolific <laughs> Development. <laughs> But Prolific yeah. development. And then, I mean, I might as well plug my, my law firm. Throw that um, in there. Balduki Law Office is uh, is where I'm located and handle criminal defense and family law type stuff. Man, tell the um, people if what kind of trouble they in because I've got people who get into trouble who follow my podcast. What can they use you for? So, yeah, any, any type of cr- criminal charge, um, any type of criminal charge, divorce, guardianships, custody matters, um, Plant writing a will. That was actually something I wanted to mention. Mm. I think Two Chains on his new album actually said, "How are you gonna die and leave your family to pay for your own funeral? Yeah. How are you gonna die and not have that stuff wrapped up?" And that really set with me. Like, damn, I don't have anything yeah. in place. And so, like, <clears throat> I think writing a will. I mean, I write wills for two hundred fifty bucks. I write your will. Yeah. So that's Simple. that's something I think everybody needs to do. Simple. Um. And I want to say before we get Austin off here, he don't know this yet, but part two of this episode coming. Um, <laughs> we're gonna sit down with uh with Luce a couple years down the road after his career, but also we're gonna sit down soon with Prolific Development as a team. Um, also I'm a part of Prolific Development that he said, and um, that's how I met him actually. But we got a group of nine young men 
um, who, who motivated and I'm going to sit down four or five of them. We're going to unpack what prolific development is and how you guys can help. Um, shout out prolific. Yes, sir. Um, we got a Thanksgiving drive coming up. Y'all, y'all, we, we finna feed the city. Like we, yes, we doors, like we get out here and we do work. Um, so we just don't, we don't talk about it. Like he said, we, we be about that action. Like his friend challenged him. Um, but, yeah, that wraps up another episode. Episode nine of the Miles Without King. Cheers, my guy. Hey, cheers. Yes, sir. I appreciate you for coming hey, on. I appreciate brother. you for and, having me, Joe. Um, nah, we're gonna get you back in here too. Um, so y'all be easy, um, be breezy, and have a nice day. Peace. <laughs>